Hello, and welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast on Game Time CT, your spot for boys and girls high school soccer in Connecticut. My name is Scott Erickson, I'm the boys soccer writer for Game Time, and we are joined, as always, by the always texting, always tweeting, Joe Morelli. Joe, good morning. You didn't mention that we were on the couch. People don't care about that anymore. Oh, we're on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're we're I, definitely on the couch. I'm doing just fine. You're doing fine. Yes. Um, the regular season is almost over. The almost CCC over. The CCC in the in some of these other leagues who don't have league tournaments, they still play until election day, and the last counting day, I believe, is next Thursday. Yeah. But basically, rec- a lot of regular seasons ended on Monday. Yeah. And pairing should be com- forthcoming. Um, and we're going to be talking to Wayne Monas from Notre Dame of Fairfield. Uh, he's our guest on the podcast, the girls' coach. Um, and he, I believe, will be the number two seed in the SWC. But, yeah, it's a fun time of year, as we discussed last best, week. And yeah. uh, now we get to really decipher who's going to do well in these tournaments. You saw Notre Dame Fairfield girls. Were you at that game? I was. Yeah. A scoreless tie. In fact, uh, let me think. One, two, three. At least three of the last five, four or five games I've covered have been scoreless ties. So yeah. it's not always easy to write, but you always have to have storylines. Um, but yesterday's match, I, I thought, had a little bit better of the play, had more shots. Um, but not other than a missed penalty kick by Tony Domingos in the first twelve minute, twelfth minute, eleventh minute of the game, um, she did it off the post. I mean, you rarely see that from a quality kid like that. But you know, you miss stuff. Unfortunately, it just ends up being a scoreless tie. And uh, as you know, comes postseason, you have overtime, you have penalty kicks because you got to have decide a chant winner uh, to have them move on, except for the state finals. So that's a whole other podcast. But um. And again, it's a fun time of year, and yes, um, both of those teams, Massick and Notre Dame, will be players in the league and state tournaments. Uh, also, we would just want to promise everybody that neither of us will be doing uh, any accents today. I is didn't that... promise anything. Are you going to do one? I didn't say I would do one. I said I didn't promise anything. Oh, this is fantastic. No, I didn't say it was fantastic either. All right, so maybe after the interview, uh, we'll, we'll get Joe to... Uh... Maybe do a French accent. No, you, or see, you have to do it when nobody's expecting it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're just gonna drop it on us. Yeah, drop it like it's hot. <laughs> that'll be that'll be the way to go. Um, yeah, so we're waiting today, like Joe said, for the uh, pairings for all the conference tournaments. We should have most of those up on Game Time CT either by tonight, uh, by the latest, by tomorrow, as soon as we get them. As we know. Some of these conferences, it's very easy to get the information. Some of these conferences, it's like they're holding these tournaments in secret and you have to like call everyone you know and email people and, and figure out who's playing uh, who in these tournaments. But listen, if you're listening, send us your information about your conference, especially the smaller conferences. If you don't have a website, uh, you know, we, we want to be on top of these things and, and be covering these things for everybody. And I know Joe loves this time of year. I love this time of year. Um, it's it's great and the thing about a lot of these conference tournaments is there's not much between these teams once they get into the tournament like you look at the fcac boys tournament and if i had to pick a winner i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to make some picks later but you are i'm gonna try yeah all right uh but i I, like i don't even know who to pick i could get every quarterfinal game wrong easily you know because there's not much between them once they get in i think it's the same on the girls side especially in the fcac and and swc and stuff right yeah i i when you cover this many scoreless ties, it's kind of hard to, to decipher who's <laughs> going to win some of these games. I mean, I as the Guilford coach Scott McMahon alluded to in my story, when they, again I covered Guilford Mercy on Friday, scoreless tie, Mercy wins the division. I thought Guilford may have been the best team, but as he said, in the SEC, 
somebody as soon as you think somebody's gonna the favorite, somebody loses or gets upset. Yeah, and Guilford loses the law. Mercy, I think tied four in it early. It's there's no clear cut, and I think it's the same for the SWC. I mean, Pop Rock is going to be the one seed. It looks like Notre Dame. As we will talk about with Wayne Mullins, it's going to be the two. But again, they tied massive. There's no clear cut in that league. The FCAC, we we've been over this one with the three teams <laughs> tying Richfield and S- Staples and St. Joe. Staples is going to be the one seed, but we saw what happened when they were the one seed last year. Right, they lost to Darien. So, um, I honestly don't know. I think you're the champ until you get beat. So yeah. Shelton's the champ until they get beat in the SEC. Ridgefield's the champ until they get beat in Class L and and the FCAC and then the SWC. I believe it was Newtown yeah. and last year. So they're the champ until they get beat. And uh, that's the way I look at it, and that's going to be my statement on predictions. Uh, I know I, my producer doesn't like that. But it's and all, all kidding aside, I, I honestly don't know. It is that close. I'd have to study it and look at it. I think it's even harder than baseball. Baseball was very hard to pick, you know, game by game. You, you kind of can know when you see a pitcher lined up. But, you know, basketball I always found a little easier to predict. You kind of can get a sense yes. of a team and what they're going to do and what they do well against other teams. With these soccer games, like you said, it, there's so little between them. And also, you could pick a team that you think is going to dominate. They could dominate the entire game, give up one goal, lose the game. So that that doesn't happen in other sports but, either. We, we dominate and lose. And, no, and nobody likes to talk about this, at least publicly, but there are there's those coaches who would rather not do well in the league tournament. And get ready for states. And get ready for states. Sure. They don't have a problem losing. I mean, they're not trying to lose. But they're not but, that but upset I, about I, it. I know that because it's I've, I've talked to coaches. I know. And I, I'm sure you have too. And they're not disappointed to lose in PKs. And then, like you said – there are teams also that are going to, in the league tournaments, they're going to commit more people to defense as the game goes on, and they're going to play for PKs. And I do think, though, that may be the mindset of some of the coaches. I don't think the kids think that at all. I think the no, I don't think so either. At all. Are no, very no. important to the kids, and that that's the bragging rights. That's the teams you play all the time, and if you can say you're you're the champs of your conference, I think that it means a lot to the kids. You know, I don't think they're ever thinking about resting or doing anything else. And like that, that right, I'm not. Saying that there's a big school of thought. I'm saying no, there but it's is there. a school it's there. of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree. as another topic, as we've discussed, league tournament versus not league tournament. How yep. will the CCC boys do? How will the CC? How will Sullington and Glastonbury girls be better off or not? Right, Granberry, Granberry. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's my there's a delicious Granberry, delicious Granberry. Right, Gra- Granby plus Danbury <laughs> equals Granberry. No, but Granby, how will they be? Yeah. Undefeated, but they they won a state championship two years ago. They beat Berlin, so yeah. I, I, so I don't again. I don't know what the right answer is there either. I just know it's going to be fun. I know we're going to have a lot of overtime games, and we're going to have a lot of PKs deciding these games because there's not much separating a lot of these teams. Start working on your PKs. I, I saw uh, they bet, they should be doing it already. They should be. They, I mean, you when you played, yeah, many moons ago, many. How often did you guys practice PKs? I don't remember ever practicing PKs, but did also, you ever, did you ever play PKs in the game? Never. I never, never made it that far. Never did it. So you lost uh, on the field in regulation or overtime? Yeah, and uh, to tell you the truth, I never played in the state tournament. So really, at New Canaan, <laughs> were you at New Canaan? We were. Uh, the soccer teams were not good back then. So, well, back then, if I remember correctly, the girls were very good. The boys were not. Yeah. They, it's changed as far as overtime. They were good in the '80s, and I don't know what they did. What they even did. They in used overtimes. to do 50, two fifteens. I think it's two tens. Now. And I thought I remembered golden goals. Um, now my brother-in-law played for New Canaan. He won two state championships uh, in the you know in the early nine in the early two thousands, 
Um, and he definitely they had penalty kicks in their state tournament because he because he made one in the semifinals one year. Uh, so I saw Stanford and Ward. Ward just completed an undefeated season, beating St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. But that game came down to penalty kicks. Uh, Stanford got called for a handball with five minutes left, and the, you know the Ward kid Valaba went up, kicked the you know the PK, scored the goal. So here's a team Ward who's undefeated. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a top four seed in Double L. They're going to they're the top seed in the FCAC tournament. And the game I saw them against Stanford, there was very little between those teams, and Stanford didn't make the playoffs. So that it just goes to show you in these leagues there's nothing between these teams really on the field you know little things here and there go your way ward hit a couple posts a couple crossbars stanford hit the crossbar once like these games can go any way you, you just need a you need a lot of luck and then ward has to play their rival ludlow crosstown rival in the first round of fcx so we'll see how that goes and again ward should win that game but if ludlow wins no one's really gonna be overly shocked i wouldn't think well it wasn't a couple years ago that again, uh, so the FCX today they co champs. Yeah, two, Trumbull, year, two Trumbull years. Yeah. And, uh, Trumbull and Greenwich. Greenwich. Trumbull and Greenwich. Uh, but they've done it before. They have co champs uh, a couple times in the conference tournament because they're not going to go to PKs. They don't want to decide a championship by PKs and they don't want to just keep playing for a golden goal. So if you don't want to do that, co champs, again, the on the day, we've said this before, on yeah. the day, it stinks for the teams. As you the rest of your on. life, you're yes. you're a champion, and it doesn't matter that you were a co-champion. You don't need to tell anyone that. You no. say I was on the FCX championship team. That year. How does our producer Pete feel about that? As he's sleeping over there, I think Pete hates it. I know he hates it, but that's why I, I hate ties. <clears throat> he hates ties. I hate ties. They're dumb. It, you play well, a whole year. You play twenty games in the regular season. You play in your conference tournament. You play. This is the for some of these kids who aren't going to play at the next level. This is their last game of their high school career. Most kids. Most kids. Yeah. And we're going to end it in a tie. Also, you play penalty kicks in every other round. Right. So now the most important game, we're not going to do it. Yeah. That's that. If you don't do penalty kicks the whole way, fine, I'm in. I get it. But then what are you doing? You're just then playing. Then you have to keep playing overtime. Keep playing overtime, yeah. You can't, you can't do, you can't, you just, you get to that point and then it's like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to play for ties. I just, I, again, I go back to that soccer championship game I covered with Joe all those years ago. Avon. It one team, I think it was who was the favorite in that game? Avon was Avon. dominated the game. Yeah, and they were not happy, and Brantford celebrating like they won like the World Cup. Yeah, and that that was right there. That saw one team played to win and one team played not to lose, and that's not that's not how championships should be decided. That's a fair point, but I think, again, when you look back, both of them are state champions. Both of them played well enough to be called state champions. If you want to keep slogging it out for a while until someone makes a mistake and scores a goal, then uh, okay. But I I don't love PKs for a championship game either. I understand why you have to do it in the earlier rounds because someone has to advance. And I don't think that continuing to play is a great idea. These kids are already so exhausted from these tournaments that – you're going to add an extra 20, 30 minutes to a game. You know, eventually someone's going to win just on a mistake, you know. I do what I do like. Regular season, they used to do overtime a yeah. lot of these leagues. and Some do. Some still play overtime. Who does? Uh, there's a couple conferences that, that do play overtimes. They don't They don't go to Golden Goal or anything, but they, they do play Ten, two overtime periods. Yeah, some leagues have, have eliminated it. I am so glad that that was eliminated, maybe because of the essence of time, especially time. For if you covered a 7 o'clock <laughs> yeah. game. I just think the, the – I think the league's got rid of them because it's wearing you down, and why are you gonna play all these minutes? And well, the FCX not gonna used use to do PKs anyways. 
two 10 minute overtime two 10 minute overtime periods and it didn't it wasn't golden goal so you, you had to play the full 20 so then you would still end up a, a team would score then the other team would score and you end up in a tie anyway yeah i'm glad they got i'm glad they get rid of it i don't know if it probably if it helps you or hurts you maybe uh, come state turn because you're playing the extra time but to me i'm i don't think there's any need to have overtime during the season i if you can't get set it situated in 80 minutes and maybe you just like yesterday maybe that's just the two teams were equal on yeah. that day so i just don't understand how you can go to penalty kicks in every other round and then in the state championship you just don't no, do it. flip a-, a coin i'd rather than flip a coin Ugh. no why? I know. Ties, ties flip a coin for are, a champion. While we're playing for ties, they're just as worthless. No, a tie. Okay, is, that's is, fine. But I like a flip a coin. I know. I think I'm I was, not gonna, I I was never exaggerating a little bit. The kids have earned that. a tie. Okay, you no, want? No one wants to oh, tie. You, all right, you want? Oh, heads. You should have Joe and you wrestle. At heads, the, I at win. The tails, you lose. Wrestle the tie. I'm just saying. I think ties are the biggest disgusting. They're just awful. Yuck. Jeez. Yuck. They're anyway. yuck. Because, look, Scott, we cover baseball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We covered Watertown Berlin last year in the L Finals in what was an amazing baseball Great game. Great baseball game. That was one. One, that was one on a mistake. Yeah. It, sure. Two, that game could have gone 12 innings. Yeah. And we were, and that game would have ended on a mistake. So if we're going to do it in other sports, why do we choose with soccer to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Or field hockey. Or field hockey. Soccer. Why, why all of a sudden are we putting the brakes on and saying, no, 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 we can't do this. I will say that for soccer, uh, that it's more of a physically grueling sport than baseball. Yeah. You're not being physically worn okay. down. The That's fair. Way. So then, not that I don't think we've ever, I haven't seen uh, overtime in football championship, but football overtime, not much like penalty kicks, but one team's going to get left on the field. Yeah. Just like in baseball and softball. I've seen teams get walked off on softball. What about them? Yeah. Do we not feel bad for them enough as we would feel for bad for a team that uh, that loses in penalty kicks? Why are we making – why are we differentiating the sports and which ones it's okay to have a team be walked off on and have a team not be walked off on? I wonder if it's a committee's decision as much as the CIAC. I wonder if the committee's de- determine that and the committee's determine and they go to the – I don't know. I, if I was I'm, New I'm, London, I'm guessing. if I'm I was guessing. New London girls basketball last year, I'd go to the CIA and see, look, hey, our girls tried hard. We got walked off on a Mohegan Sun. I don't think it was fair. I think we should have tied. Well, that game didn't even go to overtime. I'm just saying. It's just they, we're, we're differentiating. Well, it's not about we're, being, it's not about being we're fair. We're picking and choosing which games were allowed, which sports were allowed to have teams lose at the buzzer or lose in overtime to. Well, you but with lose soccer, at the buzzer. With soccer, we're like, whoa, we can't. We can't, we can't have them losing penalty kicks. That's my problem. You want to save time, play penalty kicks. You Fine. don't want them to play well, they, thirty I mean, extra minutes, play penalty kicks. Well, they do play overtime in the state tournament. Yeah, in but the state but championship you, yeah. too. They play overtime. But like to continue overtime, like you said, yeah. it's a grueling game. So yeah. have them play penalty kicks. You have time frames to get these games in at certain fields. Play penalty kicks. It's not hard. All right, let's run that up the flagpole and see if anyone yeah, because anyone's going to gonna listen for the CIAC. <laughs> well, we're not going to be discussing ties. Uh, well, other than. His tie uh, uh, yesterday, but uh, we're gonna have Wayne Moans gonna be joining us after the break. Uh, Notre Dame Fairfield coach, longtime Western Connecticut State University coach. For those older members of our audience, uh, he'll be joining us on the podcast. Should be fun. We'll break and talk to you in the, at the on the other side. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. On the line, we have. Notre Dame Fairfield girls soccer coach Wayne Monis coming off a scoreless tie with Massick on Monday at home in this regular season finale. Looks like they'll be the number two seed coming in the tournament. Wayne, welcome to the program. How are you? 
Very good. Thank you. Wayne, obviously, uh, maybe Matzik had a little bit better of the play yesterday, but again, no real clear-cut dominating force in that game, and obviously I would assume it was a fair result against Matzik. Would you agree? Yeah, again, we missed the penalty kick, and, and uh, that's something that we you know we, we need to be able to make if we go on and, and want to advance either in the uh, uh, league championship or in the uh, uh, in the state pathway to the championship. Uh, uh, penalty kicks are deciding factors, and I, I think it's been about five years since we've uh, we, we've won those kind of uh, those kind of battles. So, we got to get better, but in terms of the game, uh, I, I, I thought really that we had the better chances, and uh, I, but it was a pretty pretty even game. Both teams very similar. Uh, you know, we have a dynamic forward that I think is the best in the state, and Tony Dominguez. Uh, they have a very good player in Casey Lawrence, uh, and both both teams did, did I think very good jobs at uh, uh, denying denying them the ball and, and not not allowing them to get into. Uh, spots where they could score. Yeah, as you mentioned, Casey Lawrence from Massac going to Michigan. Tony Domingos uh, committed to Maryland. She's a junior. Uh, I believe, what, 31 goals on the year, Coach? Is that accurate? Or? Yeah, she she, uh, she tied Sam Laval, uh, one of our former players, uh, great players, who uh, with 31 in a season. So uh, uh, that's, a, that's a great accomplishment, and I'm sure in the next uh, couple of games she'll be able to break that and, and – uh, uh, she'll set a record, but uh, she's been tremendous this year. I, I, I've seen nothing like like her. So, Talk about, you mentioned a couple times throughout the year about your numbers or lack thereof. Um, at one time, maybe you had 13 kids on the roster. You have 15 going into the tournament. Uh, just how tough is that? And as far as the stamina and the conditioning, how important is that for these kids when they're going to have to go possibly – if they want to go deep in both tournaments, you're going to have to play seven games or maybe eight. So how, how important is that when you have that few kids? Well, right now uh, we have 15 on the roster and, and really 13 kids play uh, the majority of, of, of the game, and, and that's absolutely perfect for us. Uh, we're missing uh, – we've missed one girl throughout the entire year, a girl named Zoe Wood, who would have been our uh, center back sweeper, and, and she she's – Tremendous. She'll be back with us next year. She's a sophomore. But beyond that, uh, you know, it was a it was a, a unique situation this year that I've never experienced before. A combination of, of some kids leaving uh, and and some kids being injured put us in a situation where I didn't even know whether we would be able to field a team. Uh, and then when we then when we started, um, we, we started basically with uh, and played the first eight games with. A, with 11, 11 girls, uh, and, and two of the girls really are kind of JV players that we kind of put out there because we had nobody else. And I just thought our team responded unbelievably. We ended up getting, um, outshot, uh, in most of the, most of the games that we played against teams that were equal to us. Uh, but, uh, Tony would either, uh, and she scored in every game, but yesterday, would either score one or two goals, and then we have, I think, the best goalkeeper in the state in terms of Tia Pascarelli, and she would she would make like ten or eleven saves. So we got through those first eight games. Uh, we had Mackenzie Ledford come back from a high ankle sprain, so she was out. Um, we we had uh, a girl that I I uh, found in the hall, y- y- Yamani McCullough, who, who McCullough, who's our 
uh, all-state basketball player who's a junior who came out as a freshman and then kind of just wanted to focus on basketball. And I, I was able to approach her in the hall and say, Imani, we need players. Uh, and I didn't know how she would do. She said, well, my mom says I got to do something after school. So she joined us and, and, uh, She's been a starter on the uh, on the right back, and she marked Casey Lawrence yesterday uh, and did a tremendous job. So, you know, and then we had one other girl who had transferred in uh, who, uh, who couldn't play for the first eight games, the senior, uh, Celine Lesperance. So once those three girls came back after the midpoint of the season, and, and then the other injury was Jasmine Craw, uh, our all-conference all center back, she was out with a concussion for the first eight games. So once they all came back in after the halfway mark, uh, things started to change, and, and we've been playing better, better, and better. We went to Norwich Free Academy prior to that and got beat by them. They're just a 500 team. They beat us uh, five to one, and we only had 11 girls. And, and like I say, we had two girls that were JV. Once we got the, the group back, uh, that's who we are, and we've been growing and getting better. And I, I think we got a shot to do some good things. Hey, Coach, it's Scott Erickson here. Um, when you only have that many kids, was there anything tactically or with your formations that you had to adjust this season to, to play differently, or did you just stick, keep your same strategy? No, uh, we, we had to make some adjustments. We played Weston, uh, who's a very, very good team, and, and we just played what what the Italians call is catenaccia. We backed up everybody <laughs> into the, the back third of the field. Yep. We kept everybody tight and together. If we were going to go up and down with them, I think they would have picked us apart. And then we just used Tony to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, counterattack with. And, and we played balls to her. She would beat three people. She scored uh, three goals in that game. So we had to play that way, as I said, because we couldn't go up and down with people. I think now that we, we've got our full team back, uh, we can do we can do much more and and you know with Masic yesterday just tried to play with them evenly and uh, I, I thought we did okay. It, it looks like defensively that that it's worked out. I mean, you guys have a bunch of shutouts and one goal games. Have the girls just bought into you know playing defensive soccer a little bit more? Uh, we've always at this school we've always, we've always had uh, you know a, a defense. We, we we really try to emphasize defense in a lot of ways and. and uh, as I said, Tia Pascarelli uh, is going to go to D1 school somewhere. Uh, I've got, she's got a lot of interest between Northeastern and UMass Lowell. Uh, so uh, she's, she's been tremendous. And then we have, uh, you know, Taylor Gibbs, who played in the middle of the field, is now playing sweeper, and she's been great. So, you know, we've got a good team. Uh, even yesterday against uh, Masick, I kind of played – I changed it a little bit. I took a right midfielder and put her behind – uh, Yamani to, to kind of double team Casey Lawrence, which created some extra space for Masic in the middle, but gave us a little extra insurance. Uh, so, um, you know, we, we, we have some flexibility now to do some things that, that uh, we didn't have the first half of the year. We had no flexibility and a lot of prayers that nobody else got injured or we <laughs> would have to play with 10. And I, I envisioned us playing with 10 or 9. Yeah. So, uh, but we got lucky and we, we were able to hanging there with 11 and those two JV girls kind of, you know, battled their way through it. And now they're our 14th and 15th player. Yamani's a great athlete. I mean, I've seen her on the basketball court. Uh, she must have played soccer growing up, too. I think you said she played for your freshman year. But having an athlete like that in the back, how much does that help you guys? Is she, is she playing left back oh, for you, yeah. you said? 
she playing the right back. A right back, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, she has just tremendous speed, explosiveness, lateral movement. We don't have anybody on our team that is that that quick. And and you know, a lot of our team, we're not the quickest team. It's all about anticipation, defense, uh, uh, help defense, and and all that stuff that happens in basketball. Well, Yamani knows all that stuff anyway. So, you know, she did play some when she was uh, in uh, middle school. And uh, she came to me as a ninth grader. And after about three weeks where she she was like the last player on the team, and I really didn't give her a good look, she said, I think I want to go just prepare for basketball. I said, Yamani, that's going to be better. And then, and then uh, about a month ago, I saw her in the hall and I said, I need a player. So it, it, it worked out. And she, she really, uh, if you were at the game yesterday, you, you know how valuable she is for us. Yeah. And, and having great court vision in basketball and being in, uh, at a back position when she's trying to turn the ball back up has got to be a very similar attributes, right? It, it, I think it's identical. I just think that, that you know, defensive the, the defensive principles uh, in basketball mirror mirror soccer. And, and so she can do all that. Uh, somehow, though, I think that she'd rather go offensive in basketball. I don't. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Wayne Monis, Notre Dame Fairfield coach, joining us on the podcast. Wayne, uh, as I alluded to earlier, um, started at Central Catholic, I believe, eighteen years at Western Connecticut State University in Danbury. How many? What years is for you as a head coach or involved in soccer? What year? How many? Years? I think this is this is around my forty second year. Forty two of of coach. Yeah, I started back in 77 at what is now All Saints, but what was Central Catholic. I came right out of college uh, at University of Connecticut with Joe Maroney and just started coaching, wow. never played again. And uh, it, it's been a great run. So uh, uh, between this and the, uh, I own the Yankee United uh, Soccer Club along with Jack Naguerra from St. Joe's. And, and so that's another and it's been a great it's been a great run. I've had a lot of fun, and I'm having as much fun now as I had when I first started. You mentioned Joe Maroney, and because as a UConn grad, having interviewed him when I was a kid, um, and obviously he's a legend, won a national championship, I believe, in 1981. What um, what was he like? And for the for the younger audience who's listening, just what kind of coach was he, uh, and and, and that kind of thing, uh, and back in the day. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to have Ralph King over at Brian McMahon when I played, wow. and then having Joe, uh, he he just is a is just a very disciplined guy, very organized, uh, didn't accept failure, um, competitive as as anyone could be, and and really you know very much knew how to play X's and O's in terms of team tactics and and uh, and that piece and a and a great. Uh, teacher of, of defensive uh, principles, too. So, uh, and, and I was uh, probably not his favorite player, even though I played, because uh, I was a, a bit of an undisciplined kid. So he's, he, he, uh, he was tremendous for me and, and really taught me. I, I learned a lot between Ralph and, and Joe. Wayne, uh, we had talked yesterday because I was at the game. Um, you went to the semifinals last year. I believe at least he lost to Pomporog at home, correct, in the SWC tournament. Is that right? Yeah, we lost in, in overtime. It was interesting. Uh, the, the SWC rules are, uh, goal, uh, you know, golden goal. Once you score, it's over. 
Well, in that game, they scored in the overtime, and, and, and the, the referees nor the coaches knew that that was the rule, so we continued to play on, and we oh, scored really? in the second overtime. <laughs> yeah, we ended up scoring in the second overtime to tie the game, and it went to penalty kicks, and then their coach got a, uh, a text from their AD saying that, uh, you know, it was 2-2 in penalty kicks, and uh, uh, got a text from their AD saying that we uh, – that it was golden goal, so I just stopped it right. I didn't want to win on penalty kicks and then have it taken away from us, so uh, we, we lost that game. Uh, and then it's funny, in the state tournament, uh, it, it's not golden goal. You have to play 10 minutes, uh, two 10-minute uh, extra periods, and in the first 10 minutes against a plain, uh, Plainville, we scored to go ahead, but that rule was different, so they scored with 15 seconds left. <laughs> to uh, tie us, and then we ended up uh, losing on penalty kicks. So penalty kicks have not been good to us. <laughs> you mentioned Plainville. Uh, Plainfield in Class M again, as you are. Uh, Granby, the top seed, unbeaten. Um, Weston, I believe, in Class M. A very loaded field at the top. How do you see the uh, landscape as far and how, with your team is playing as it is right now, how do you think you will fare Class M state tournament. Yeah, I mean, right right now my focus is on the SWCs. We've never gone past the uh, uh, semifinals. Uh, it's going to be a tough road. All eight teams uh, that are in the tournament uh, can win. It's probably the, the the most parity that that we've ever had in my six years doing it. And uh, you've got scores like a New Milford who ended up. Uh, uh, I think beating Weston and, and, and uh, Brookfield tied us and, and Immaculate beat uh, five to four. Uh, I, I, maybe they beat Weston. So every team has had a result against the top team and there's been a lot of ties. And uh, so there, there's, there's very little difference that it's going to be, you know, who executes, who, who makes the play, uh, who um, can make the PK under pressure you know, all those kind of things. So it's going to be very hard to separate. As far as Class M goes, um, you know, we, we've won, we've been co-champs and state champs twice. Uh, and this year I think we got a good shot again, but the, I think the field is tougher than ever in Class M. As you said, you got Granby. I saw them play preseason against Southington, and they tied them 0-0. And I think Southington Class LL is fantastic. Going to give our FCX teams a – a game, and then you've got Weston, who will probably play in the SWC and might have to play again, and they're very, very good. Um, and you got Immaculate always lingering in the background. Nelson knows how to make uh, – he can make uh, something <laughs> out of nothing, so uh, he'll have those girls, uh, you know, and, and they'll be very competitive. So it's a, And then uh, uh, Plainfield. So, and if you have to go there and play on grass, uh, as we did last year, it's a different game. So I, I think both the FWC and, 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 and Class M are going to be uh, just very, very difficult. And does going through the SWC playing against larger schools help you guys once you get to, to Class M at all? I just think our, you know, our schedule, um, you know, our, our SWC schedule you know, gets us ready. Uh, it, it's tough competition. And every game, you know, there's not too many, not too many easy games. So it gets you ready, but again – um, you, you know, it's a whole different thing when you go in the state tournament and, and if you lose, you're done. And, uh, you know, so uh, you, you never know what you're going to get. 
you'd like to play as many home games as you can uh, in the SWC uh, coming up. We play New Milford at home, and then uh, we're going to get the Weston uh, uh, Brookfield winner, and that's going to, you know, but at least we're home. And then uh, in the SWC now with a seed of probably we're going to be about eight or nine, uh, it's, you know, we, we, we might get a quarterfinal, uh, uh, but it, probably not. So that's going to be a little bit rough rough road when you have to go on the road, drive up to uh, Granby Memorial and uh, uh, try, try to play them. So uh, that's going to be a tough path. I mean, 42 years is a long time to be around the game. Girls soccer has changed a lot in that time. What's the biggest difference now between, you know, when you started out? Well, I, th- I think the, the uh, amount of girls playing continues to, to get bigger. Uh, but, so that's, that's the plus side. You get more kids playing. Again, I've been involved in the, in the premiere with Yankee United, uh, you know, for 30 years. Uh, as far as uh, seeing different teams. But I think it's watered down a little bit more because all the talent is, is basically spread out. Right. So the competition may not be as good, but you got more kids uh, playing. And, and overall, the, the talent has to be higher, isn't it? I mean, I, I feel like I've seen just in the last 10 years the, the girls' soccer, you know, just better players on every team. Yeah, the, the, the individual players, uh, you know, that, that – uh, come out of Connecticut are, uh, you know, and my son's at Brown, he, he recruits and, 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 uh, the talent is, pr- is pretty impressive in Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, and so those individual players are out there, but in terms of, like I said, the competition in the permit on the premier side, it's, 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 uh, uh, I think it's watered down a lot. It's spread out, you know, in Connecticut, you have a lot of great premier clubs like, uh, CFC and, uh, FSA and Oakwood, and it goes on and on. So uh, that's watered a little bit, but the, but the individual talent is is certainly uh, more prevalent than ever. Wayne, you're going to be the number two seed for Notre Dame of Fairfield uh, in the quarterfinals. What are you playing, Friday or Saturday? Oh, we're going to play Friday at 3.30 uh, here against New Milford, yep. A beautiful field at Sacred Heart University in the Notre, in the Notre Dame's field. Obviously, they, they share the property. Um, Wayne, thank you for joining the Just for Kicks podcast. Good luck this week, and good luck in the Class M State Tournament. Thank you for your time. Uh, thanks for having me. We are back on Just for Kicks. Uh, that was a good interview. Yeah, Wayne. How long I, have you known him? Actually, I I haven't. Oh, really? I that's the yeah. Believe it or not, <laughs> yesterday was the first time I actually met him. Really? Yes. You guys have a good rapport. Yeah. Him. Well, I just I talked to him a couple of times. I mean, I just know he just I knew the name Wayne Moans. Yeah. Because Wayne has been around a long time. His daughter Megan played for St. Joe's Jack Naguire, who was a protege of Wayne. I didn't know that from Yankee United, yeah. I believe. And, and yeah. I, I don't know because he told me that. So, yeah. but again, when he's I mean, it was interesting. Again. I didn't know he played for Joe Maroney. I didn't even know his UConn background. And I mean, again, I, I caught Joe at the tail end. Yeah. Uh, of his tenure at UConn, again, it was. You were a student, is that? I was a student. I, I used yeah. to go to his office and interview him. Yeah. And he doesn't. He was again. I'm, I'm talking about soccer now. Thirty years later. Yeah. Back then, I didn't know a damn thing about soccer. I'm yeah. trying to talk to a guy who won a national championship and trying to ask him questions. <laughs> as I'm 20 years old. It'd be like asking them now. I'm like trying to, if you even try to question the guy's knowledge. But again, Wayne's a good, good man, and it gave some good insight to um, how to. I mean, how to 
and in, in a whole nother podcast issue for a lot of these sports, dwindling numbers. Yeah. I mean, you're playing with 11, you're playing with 12, you're playing with 13, you're playing 80 minutes. You Notre run Dame, up and down the field, that's, a, that's, that's tough. Notre Dame-Fairfield has numbers problems uh, in a bunch of their sports. They're similar to Trinity Catholic. I mean, yeah. there's a bunch of the smaller Catholic schools are having problems right now. That's a whole other issue that we can talk about. But they're, they're feeling that crunch across the board, their football team, their boys' soccer team. Everybody at those schools are, are having a hard time just keeping the numbers up. Uh, but, hey, look at them. They're, they're going to be the number two seed in the SWC, so they're doing okay. Yeah, and they'll it, make noise. It's crazy that he only has thirteen kids. I mean, that is really you're really walking a fine line there because if one kid twists an ankle or something, you're in big trouble. Well, I mean, as he indicated, if you had eleven and you go down to ten, you're like playing. Uh, it's like when your kid's got a red card, yeah, you're really playing like down that. a person. And yeah. I guess they'll have to allow that. Could you actually start a game with ten kids? I think you're allowed to play with nine. I think that really? I had to double check. I think you're allowed on the field with nine, and I think that's in place because if two kids get sent off, the game has to continue. But I, I under I, my understanding is that there's more than two kids sent off that the game has to stop. But I don't know if that's still the rule. So I'd have to I'd have to check with someone that knows better than me. Mm. Well, I get he was entertaining and uh, it should be fun. Uh, that tournament really is up for grabs. I mean, honestly, I mean Immaculate is the eight seed possibly. Yeah, they beat Pomp Rock the one seed during the season. So yeah. if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what does. All right, we're going to be back next week. Uh, we're going to be right in the middle of the conference tournaments next week, so that's we'll be talking about those. We'll be talking about semifinals coming up in most conferences, boys and girls, and championship games coming up. Um, I don't think the state pairings will be out yet, but uh, we'll have an idea because I think everyone will be done. Friday, around. November 8th. That's I mean, the last official day. The pairings come out. Is Thursday. Most teams will be done by then. Yeah, the CCC wraps up. Most of those teams wrap up uh, Tuesday or Wednesday next week, so. Yes. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. Schedule. They'll yeah. they'll finish up next week. Like they'll probably have games on Monday, uh, maybe Tuesday. There are a few uh, uh, CCC games Tuesday next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about playoffs. Uh, for Joe, I'm Scott. We'll see you next week. <laughs>